again, Share Lifers. Welcome to the reading of Noise. This week we are reading the sixth chapter entitled Having a Form of Godliness. Last week in the fifth chapter, Noise Inside the Church, our eyes were open to the apparent noise occurring within the walls of today's modern church under the leadership of false teachers and how the kingdom of darkness revels in the demise of followers due to religion and Christian tradition that strays far from the sound doctrine that is the word of God. If this is your first time here, I encourage you to start at the beginning. The first five chapter readings can be found on my channel. The playlist is entitled Noise, or you can also listen to um, the first five chapters on my podcast. So thank you for joining me as we continue reading Noise. It was a July independent celebration, and in the midst of everyone filling the food stores, shopping for groceries to prepare their respective feast for their homes, there were a few of us in the community who had our focus elsewhere. I, along with a few friends, made our way to our hardware store to look for fireworks to set off once the skies got dark. It took a few minutes rummaging through boxes of fireworks, but I found one of those huge rocket-looking ones and I had never seen one like it before in our stores, so I was more than excited to pay for it and take it home. I got excited about the potential noise it would make and the anticipated explosion of hundreds of colors, which I felt sure would light up the skies and make me the envy of the neighborhood. I could not wait for the skies to darken so I could light that baby up. Excited about my anticipated joy, that night I invited all my friends over to watch the display. After we had gotten something to eat, we took that rocket looking firework to the backyard, struck the match and watched the fire quickly run up that wick to the explosive. We covered our ears in anticipation as the fire hit the bottom of the rocket, but the only sound it made was a small pop and there were only two or three colors that came out. To say I was mad and disappointed would be an understatement. My first thought was, how could something so big and that looked so promising fall flat like that? That rocket looked like it had power, but it had none. Have you ever met a Christian like that? She looks and sounds like someone who is spiritually powerful, probably because she can pray the roof off and she can quote scriptures backwards if need be, but a closer look at her life and we find that she gossips about everyone, including her pastor's wife. He has all the religious phrases memorized and can quote them on a dime if the situation dictates it. Ask him how he's doing and he robotically replies, oh, I'm highly blessed and favored of the Lord and I, the head and not the tail, but take a closer look at his life and we will find that there are aspects about his life that he prays no one discovers. Nothing is working in her life. No one likes to be around him. She knows all of the latest gossip. He's behind on his bills and her car keeps breaking down. These are all church going people who are living defeated Christian lives and it's hard to tell that just by looking at them. Perhaps it is somewhat of a natural human trait for people to always try and look their best. Still, on the surface, we all like to put our best foot forward at whatever level that best may be. Christians have gotten to the point where they are more concerned about looking good than actually doing and being good. 
The devil revels in influencing pretentious people, pretending to be something you're not, goes right down his street. And he uses those people to create noise within the church and even noise between Christians and sinners. Lying is the devil's calling card and pretending to be something he's not is his MO. He delights in being a sheep in wolf's clothing or he takes pleasure in pretending to be an angel of light. Over the decades with changing generations, with culture going in and out of style, like fashion, the power that once filled the church has been replaced with church members who are more concerned about looking good than about having results in their lives. In some cases, church members want to appear to be religious or holy without having to really be either of those things. The Bible calls it a form of godliness having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That can be found in 2 Timothy 3 and 5. Some of the rules that have been implemented to govern many churches in terms of the way they operate their services and run their programs have been designed with form and fashion as the priority. This is ironic, considering the fact that we claim to live under the grace dispensation. That means we should not be governed or held hostage by a list of rules that we think would hopefully make us right before God by our own standards. Yet some churches have laid down the law for its members. So in some churches to shout out loud or to say amen would evoke a stern look from an usher or a word of chastisement from a leader in the church. A scripted program seems to have more of a priority in most churches than the Holy Spirit. Everything has to be done at a certain time because the service must be completed at a reasonable hour. Those giving the announcements cannot run off into a testimony and the choir had better not think about singing a seven minute song. And as for the presentation of testimonies, well, that has been reserved for a Monday night or a Wednesday night service, not Sunday mornings. After all, we have visitors on Sunday and we don't want them to think we're a bunch of crazy people. Someone once said that if the Holy Spirit was to remove himself from many of today's local churches, 90% of the work in those churches would go uninterrupted. The Bible says that Christians who are more concerned with looking good than doing good would be one of the signs of the end times. People's hearts will become so cold and callous that in an effort to make themselves look good, they will put on a religious front. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, and conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. There is so much in those verses. And the interesting thing is that we can see all of these scenarios being played out in our world today. But notice what it said in verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. That simply means we say we believe something, but our actions betray us. 
There are too many Christians who claim to be trusting in God, but when the pressure is on, they fold up and compromise on what they know to be right in order to get the money they need to pay the bills. There are preachers out there who are preaching that God heals, yet many of them are dying from some kind of sickness or disease. Don't get me wrong, even those with what we consider to be great faith have seen their faith failed them. And when it comes to death, all of us have an appointment to keep and we cannot say when it will be our time to go home. My point is the church claims to be the place where miracles are supposed to take place, yet too many churches have never seen a miracle take place in their congregation, nor in the lives of any of its members. Meantime, our church building looks great. They are well-painted, richly furnished and decorated, yet they are like empty tombs. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were like whitewashed tombs looking good on the outside, but inside they were filled with dead men's bones. Ironically, we are a generation that should be walking in the greater works, which Christ said would come to pass once we had ascended to heaven, yet we seem to have moved backwards instead of forward. Many Bible-believing preachers of old saw outstanding miracles take place after they prayed for people. They watch limbs grow back, blind eyes open, deaf ears unclogged, paralyzed people get up and walk, and they even saw the dead raised to life. Yet today, instead of seeing these kinds of miracles take place under their hands, a number of today's preachers spend an hour on Sunday mornings explaining why some people receive healing and why, and why some don't. They spend time explaining why some people are blessed financially and why others never see financial blessing. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. So why are we not doing the works Jesus did? Why? Are we not seeing the kinds of miracles in our churches as during the days of Christ on earth or as during the times of preachers of the past? I believe it's because we have only a form of godliness, but we really don't believe in the power to see those miracles happen. God has not changed. Jesus didn't change his mind about us doing the works that he did and, and even greater works. The enemy has made it his mission to ensure that Christians water down the gospel of Christ, thereby eliminating the power which that same gospel has promised us. Jesus told the Sadducees that they were in error because they did not know the scriptures nor the power of God in Matthew 22, 29. When he sent out the disciples to get a taste of what he did on a regular basis, the Bible said that he sent them out with power and authority. In another place, it said that he sent them out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the reason why we see so little power in many of today's churches is because they are not walking in their authority as believers, and for others, it may be because they deny the person of the Holy Spirit. This age of the church has produced some of the most prolific, profound, and amazingly gifted teachers of the word of God that we have ever seen. Yet church members go to church week after week, sick, broken, hurting, afraid, lost, and misguided. They walk back out the same way they walked in, except they had a great shouting time with the music and the choir. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, 
lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power in 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. Many of today's average Christians can all be Bible teachers because of the kinds of revelations that come out of the pulpits and few churches. Members take notes on their iPads and laptops. They purchase the CDs and DVDs, and yet many have never seen the power of God manifested in their lives. And in spite of the major focus on prosperity today, many of today's Christians that I know, if they are willing to be honest, will find it hard to testify to a financial breakthrough or financial miracle in their lives. Of course, there are the exceptions where a few people have experienced financial breakthroughs and healing, but this should be the rule and not the exception. It should apply to the majority and not just the minority. There are too many Christians who say they believe in prosperity, who are living on borderline poverty. Many prosperity preachers are quick to suggest that these people have not been giving enough, or they didn't put in the right amount of first fruit, or they didn't sow in the right soil, or they didn't spin around far enough, or didn't shout long enough. Obviously, according to these preachers, if these church members didn't receive a financial breakthrough, it was because of something they did or didn't do. Maybe it's because we are so bombarded by the noise of a form of godliness that when the rubber meets the road, we have no power at all. We are like the big rocket looking firework that fizzles out with no fanfare once it is lit. We've allowed the world and its system to zap our spiritual power, leaving only a shell of what a victorious Christian is supposed to look like. We have no time to spend with God or with his word, nor do we spend time in prayer. So when hard times come our way, we defend by quoting a scripture that we have heard over and over, or we quickly revert to what I call Christianese. It's the language of churchgoers that quickly becomes a part of the church culture. Now unto him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. As long as we then deny the power that Christ brings through his Holy Spirit within us, then we will never see the miraculous. We can lift our hands all we want. We can lay prostrate for as long as we like. We can do the jig, shake, and run around the church as much as we want. If we are doing these things just so people can think we are holy, then we are denying the power. We can put on our holy garments and angelic expressions, but deep inside, we are as empty as a barrel. A form of godliness is really religion. And Jesus hated what the religious leaders were doing to the people, all in an effort to make themselves look good when they were just as sinful as everyone else. Read through the four gospels and you will see Jesus constantly rebuking and chastising the religious leaders for their ineffectiveness. Then Jesus said to the crowds, to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, 
cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Matthew 23, 1 through 7. God is not concerned about how good we look. He wants us to be an expression of his grace, mercy, and his power. The unbeliever will not be impressed with how we look or sound, but once he sees the power of God manifested, he will fall to his knees in tears, crying out to God in repentance. That's what God is after. Well, folks, that is the end of the sixth chapter, and we will be going on to the seventh chapter next week, which is entitled, False Prophets Are Meant for Distraction. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I look forward to you joining me next week. <laughs>